Welcome to 4K Weeks, the audio version of the weekly newsletter from 4kweeks.com. You can subscribe to the email version of the newsletter by going to 4kweeks.com and clicking on the subscribe tab. Why would you want to do that? Well, right now, if you do that, you can email me and ask for a 15% off coupon for a year goal poster. If you are setting some New Year's resolutions, a year goal poster is one way to keep track of them. Um, All right. First things first, it is week two of 2024 and I owe you the beginning or what's the what's the opposite of punchline? What's the first part called? I don't even know the question. I don't know. That seems dumb. Anyway, here's the dad joke of the week. Did you hear about the cheese factory in France that exploded? We'll get to the punchline at the end. Week two of 2024 has arrived. There is currently snow falling outside. Actually, as I record this, I am still wearing my snow boots. And here in Kansas City, we have 10 more inches expected within the next week, which is a significant amount of snow. Winter is here. It's time for you to walk over to your 4K Weeks poster and fill in another square. Are you done? Okay, let's get to it. A couple of things up top that I wanted to share. Um, Three things that I have learned this week relating to loss, loss of a loved one. First things first, when you are giving a eulogy or any other sad speech, if you find yourself getting emotional, take one deep breath and only one deep breath and say the next word. It only will get better if you plow through. If you pause longer than one breath, it will just get worse. Second, I will never forget the people who showed up to my dad's funeral. Now, to be clear, I didn't need any of them to show up, and I have nothing but love for the many friends that could not make it for one reason or another, truly. Uh, This isn't a judgment. I'm just saying that if you can, often just showing up is enough when someone is, you know, going through some stuff, whatever it may be. I, th- I think that's important because we a lot of us get caught up in the, oh, I don't want to do the wrong thing, but sometimes just showing up is enough. And then once you show up, you can decide if you want to do more. Third thing, and this is weird, and I don't really know how to articulate this, and maybe if you have lost a parent or both parents, you will know what I mean. I had no idea. My dad dying feels very transformational in a way that I would not have expected. I mean, I'm 46 years old. 46 and a half, actually. With a family, I am plenty successful to be able to say that I am successful. There's just no doubt that I have my big boy pants on. I am a grown-up. But still, I feel like only just in the last two weeks have I actually been a grown-up. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, I think. And maybe I'm just taking it as an opportunity to live up to something or make somebody proud or something, but I just, it seems transformational. It feel it seems like a moment. And I think that's worth noting. Um, okay. Let's get to the remarkable weeks. Week two of 1941, Franklin Roosevelt gives his four freedoms speech. It was a transformational speech. The four freedoms were freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. It's remarkable to remember that after 6,000 years of modern civilization, it has only been 83 years 
since we began to say out loud that there were things called universal human rights. That speech was given in the run-up to World War II as a justification for stopping the isolationism that the United States had been holding true to for a long time. And I think, it, you know, sometimes people say without dark there can be no light. Maybe in order for us to define human rights, we needed to be able to see the opposite of that. Franklin Roosevelt was 3,075.14 weeks old, or about 58, oh, almost 59, 58.97 years. Week two in the year 1884, William K. Dixon records Fred P. Ott's sneeze in what is now the oldest surviving motion picture to be copyrighted. Dixon was the lead inventor of the kinetoscope, which was the first modern motion picture camera. As I was researching this, it's interesting, his... Uh, his input or his part in creating that, which was huge, he was the lead. I mean, he almost did it. You know, he had people working with him, but he did it. It was his idea. He worked in Thomas Edison's factory and his part had almost totally been lost until someone decided to do some digging and write a book about it, which, you know, that's an important part of our culture is people who get something stuck in their teeth and will not rest until they write a book about it. It's remarkable to remember that in this day and age where we are constantly bored of things that are insane on screens in front of us, that motion pictures are only 140 years old. Also remarkable that motion pictures are older than human rights. <laughs> That's sad, but true. William K. Dixon was 1,765.43 weeks old, or just about 34 years. Week two of 1982. This one's kind of fun. George H.W. Bush vomits into the lap of the Japanese prime minister. <laughs> I saw this and I had to put it in. I, there's a couple of reasons. Uh First of all, there's a YouTube video. You can see, you can find it on YouTube, uh, which is insane. And then the second is, is that it's remarkable to remember that no matter how many assistants and chiefs of staff and assistant chiefs of staff and assistant assistant chiefs of staff and security personnel you have around you, you still have to do your own vomiting. Kudos to the current or the, the then president Bush, because he held it together until he passed out because he barfed as he was passing out. Tough old dude. No question. He was 3,512 weeks old, 67.36 years. All right. This week's quote, uh, I had to learn how to pronounce, I had to go, I had to click the button to pronounce this person who I knew, I knew who he was and what he had written, but I had to learn to pronounce his name um, because I would have said Goethe, but I think it's Goethe, because he was a German, and so it's Goethe. <laughs> I feel like you're laughing at the way I'm saying that word, and feel free to make fun of me. But here's the quote. I'm going to read it twice. A man sees in the world what he carries in his heart. A man sees in the world what he carries in his heart. Isn't that the truth? When I am enveloped in an angry cloud of emotions, the world is too. And when I'm light and airy with possibility on my face, it seems like the wind always rises up to fill my sails. 
I think we all understand. I mean, I think it's kind of a duh quote, but what I think we forget is this. Yourself is not immutable. You are not a certain type of person. You are currently being a certain type of person, but there is nothing about you that isn't changeable. You are an evolving experiment, an experiment that is certainly affected by the observer and one whose outcome is 100% affected by the inputs. If you want to carry something different in your heart, that is something that you can do. You just have to want it bad enough for just long enough so that you can let go of the person that you have been. That's a truth that we all know and we all need to hear probably on a daily basis. And I think that the crass version of that is this. Uh, and it's the saying that I say a lot. <laughs> I say this to my kids a lot. Uh, look, if you walk around all day long and you meet one asshole, then that guy was an asshole. But if you walk around all day long and everyone you meet is an asshole, then you are the asshole. It's a little bit more crass, a little bit less uh, polished and beautiful than the German philosopher, but it's true. What am I consuming this week? So I've been reading books, actual books instead of audiobooks, and listening to music more than I've been listening to podcasts and audiobooks lately. And it just has kind of seemed right. And so I'm just going to, I've just been going with it. You know, sometimes I think we get all caught up in the shoulds and shouldn'ts and feels like I should be trying to better myself. But sometimes you just need to listen to good music and think about it. And sometimes there are deeper truths in the music you listen to than there are in the smartest podcasts. So the main thing I was listening to this last week was the musical Town. We saw Town when it came through Kansas City. And it was, I had no, I had zero we go see musicals. It's a thing that we do as a family. I didn't, I never did that when I was a kid. I didn't like musicals. My kids got into it. My wife got into it and I love being with them. And it turns out I love musicals. So, um, I had no, I knew nothing about Town, and I, I left it moved. It was an amazing musical. And so, um, the first song that I put on here and actually I didn't put the titles and I got, isn't that, that's the worst part about the streaming economy is, um, the fact that nobody knows album titles or song titles. So I'm just going to, I'm standing in front of my computer. So I'm just going to see if I can Google it while I'm talking to you. This is new for me. This is new for me. Songs, Town songs. Chrome is not, Chrome is not participating. Um, Oh, build the wall. It's called, uh, why We Build a Wall. The song is amazing, first of all. So amazing. But um, the performer from the original Broadway cast, who is also Jacob Marley in the Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell movie Spirited, his voice is so deep that it feels dangerous. It feels like a lethal weapon. I mean, it is so... I can't even, I can't even approach it. And so Why We Build a Wall... It's spectacular. I, you don't hear a person sing that low in modern pop music. It's amazing. Okay. The next one, the next song from that musical that I, and I just kind of, these are things that I wanted to mention. Um, and what's it called? What's the, gosh, dang, I should have put these songs in here. Oh, I think it's Wait For Me and the subtitle, Hey, The Big Artiste. There is a line, I'm just going to spoil it for you. Um, 
you should listen to it anyway. But there is a line that slapped me in the face when I heard it this last week, even though I knew it was coming. And it's the, the narrator of the musical kind of yells, sings. It's beautiful, but it's definitely not beautiful singing. He says, they'll dress you up in your Sunday best and stuff your mouth with cotton. And I was driving and I heard that and it literally slapped me in the face because I thought that's a thing that people did to other human beings in modern memory. Think about just the extra, the extra shaming and, and degradation of first, we're going to put you in your fancy clothes. It just uh, broke my heart for a split second. And then the last part that I wanted to mention about that musical, and I know I'm dwelling on this and it's just, you know, we're just a few songs, but I think it's interesting because it speaks to the fact that sometimes the most moving things are just, is just music. The, the thing that has been heavy on my shoulders lately, and, the, and I'm going to spoil the musical a little bit, but it's a Greek tragedy, so you know the story, is the circle of it all. The, 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 I don't know if you remember or if you have read The Gunslinger by Stephen King, and uh, it becomes clear at the end of that seven-book series that, that the protagonist just has to repeat the process over and over and over again, kind of like Sisyphus pushing the stone up the hill every day only to have it roll back down and have to do it again tomorrow. And I think the Greeks and the Romans, I don't know which is which, it's all the same mythical history to me, uh, got it right that the, the tragedy, the, the beautiful tragedy of this life is that it is all a circle. And it, you know, my dad just recently died, right? I've talked about that a lot. And the thing that actually has really been bothering me lately is that I cannot bear the weight of my son's pain when he loses me. It's not that my dad's gone. That sucks, but I'm okay with it. But looking at my 11-year-old and thinking he's going to have to do that too is just... That's something he's going to have to do for himself. And that sucks. But also, you know, without dark, there can be no light. Okay, books. I've mentioned this book, book before, I think. I gave my copy away recently, and so I, I bought another one, and now I'm reading it. Uh, Excellent Advice for Living by Kevin Kelly. First of all, Kevin Kelly is a, uh, a, a saint, an intellectual saint, I think, if we had them. Um, I think you would be embarrassed that I just said that. Uh, but I'm, you, you should buy that book for every 15 to 30-year-old that you love. Spectacular little bits of advice. Next book, How to Be a Stoic by Massimo Pigliucci. I mentioned this just a little while ago, but I have been reading it for about 30 minutes every morning, and it's a really great way to start the day. I've, I, you shouldn't look at your phone first thing in the morning, and I know everybody listening to this, with the exception of maybe one or two of you, does. And so I've made a rule that I can um, check a few important things on my phone that I need, you know, that happened overnight that I need to check on, five minutes or less, and then I have to put it away and read a book. And this is the book that I've been reading. Uh, and then before bed each night, I've been see- reading Seeking Wisdom from Darwin to Munger by Peter Bevelin. And it's a super interesting book. It's weird. Tim Ferriss recommended it a long time ago. And so I picked it up and uh, it's pretty dense. So I only read about a page or two, but there's a lot in those pages. Okay. You're going to have to subscribe to the newsletter for the Instagram nuggets, but there are some really good ones. Um there are some really good ones. And if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed to the newsletter and you send me an email, I will forward it to you because that's how good they are. Um, 
the probably the funniest one is Post Malone. His first recorded song was a high school project. And I showed it to my daughter because I'm like, look, don't be embarrassed of anything you're trying. Just start doing because this is Post Malone. And now he's Post Malone. So I think that's interesting. What am I thinking about this week? This is the last section of the email of the podcast. And then I'll give you the dad joke and we'll be out of here. And I'm going to riff on this a little bit. That's the benefit of you listening to this podcast is that you get to hear all of the stuff that just doesn't quite make sense in print. Um, But I'm stealing this bit from my conversation at Mastermind again. Uh, I do that fairly regularly. And it's moral codes. You need to have your own moral code. You need to have your own rules for living a life full of integrity and honor. And I don't know what that is for you. I do know what it is for me. I'm not sure if you need to write it all down, but maybe you do, because I think that's the surest way to notice any discrepancies, because there is zero question. You will never be able to convince me that this is false. Writers are the best thinkers, because you can hold a whole jumble of thoughts in your head that don't have to make sense with each other. But when you put them on a piece of paper or type them in a Word document or something, it's pretty quickly apparent that you have conflicting beliefs. And then you have to reconcile them, which is what it's all about. So you certainly need to know where the lines are that you will and will not cross. And, and this is probably the more important part, you need to constantly be interrogating that moral code. And I want to jump back to the beginning again for a second because, okay, yeah, a moral code is great for everybody who's, you know, has an orderly life, but sometimes your stuff is such a mess that you don't have the bandwidth to build your own structure from scratch. And, um, that's true that, 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 you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. And so sometimes you just need to find a beginner's map to a better you. And that is totally fine for a minute. It is okay to adopt someone else's structure for your moral code for a minute. Like as a metaphor, when I started to get serious about my nutrition a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago. It was overwhelming. It was totally overwhelming. I had no idea how to start. And so I just decided to read The 4-Hour Body because I had heard Tim Ferriss talk about it a lot and do that. And even after I actually, even after I read that book, then I had to go back through and pull out like the Jefferson Bible, like just the things, just the to-do items, eliminate all the context, just give me a list of things that I need to do. Okay, I got to go get, you know, 200 grams of protein each day. Okay. Well, how many grams of protein are in chicken? You know what I mean? I had to do all that. Right. So even when someone boiled it down for me, there was still a significant amount of work to do. But now after doing that for a year, I have made a ton of progress. I have learned a ton. And now I have good questions to ask about what I need. And I need to stop blindly following the advice that I started with and start building my own nutrition plan. And remember, this is all a metaphor for the moral code. Now, my own nutrition plan might look a lot like what I am already currently doing, you know, the map that I took from someone else. But since I will have built it from scratch, it will be mine. It will be intrinsically generated, not extrinsic. It will be based on things that I know to be true from personal experience about me, as opposed to just some stuff that I got from someone else that I haven't thought about that deeply. And this is important. And, and I'll tell you, sorry, I'll just continue it. I'll tell you the, the, how it came up in mastermind. 
one of the guys in Mastermind has been in AA for uh, 24 years. And he, he went, he hasn't been to a meeting for a while and he went and he got his 24 year pin. And he was talking about how there were a lot of people in the meeting who were not there um, for their alcoholism, right? Or there were people in that meeting who had traded, you know, a, a, an, albeit much more destructive extrinsic habit, alcoholism, for another extrinsic habit, the meeting, the ritual, et cetera, et cetera. I, I want to be clear about this. Um, at the beginning, when you don't have the strength to get your stuff in order, it is so important to have someone show you the path and someone say, just do step one. And this is step one. Okay. Now just do step two. Now this is step two. Okay. Just do step three. Now this is step three so that you can get your feet under you. But at some point you have to take the reins yourself and, and decide what step six, seven, and eight is. And then you have to go back for you and know what the best version of step one is. You have to do the work. You have to build yourself brick by brick. There is no other way to live a full life full of honesty and integrity. Now, you can use other people's stuff. There is no doubt about that. There is not, I've written, I don't know, 65, 75 of these weekly emails, and there's not a single original thought in any of them. It's all been said before. It's all been done before. I don't know. As soon as there was a written language, there was a person writing philosophical truths that people are now saying in modern language and acting like it's the first time it's ever been said. It's not true. It's all been said before. You can use other people's stuff, but you cannot blindly swallow 100% of whatever Epictetus or Seneca or David Goggins or uh, uh, Jocko Wilnick. You cannot swallow what they say and, and make it your own philosophy. You have to take bits and pieces. You have to curate it so that it becomes yours. And sorry, I said I was going to riff and I'm going to riff. The trouble with all human institutions at, that are stale and they all get stale. Every single human institution gets stale eventually and either they get stale and die or they get stale and someone decides to put a whole bunch more energy in them to make them not stale anymore. The problem with all of them is the troubling fact that a lot of humans seem to be 100% fine with the moral code being extrinsic, being imposed from the outside of their mind. Someone else chose it and then they're just like, cool, that's mine. And it's, it's like one of two versions usually. So number one, it's like, I was brought up in this moral code and I never developed the skill of why, you know, the never, you never developed a skill of, of, of saying, well, we do this thing, but why do we do this thing? And so the moral code becomes like water to the goldfish, right? Which is, which is, you know, the goldfish is like, how's the water? And the other goldfish is like, what's water? So they don't even notice that they are operating from a moral code because they just took it from someone else and applied it as if it was some truth handed down, uh, you know, by almighty God. Um, I mean, that, that is most religions. If most, if you ask most people the foundational truths of their religions, they do not know the answer because they just recite the prayers and, and don't think about what the prayers mean. Right. Um, and so that's the first version of, of why people do that. The other one is that it's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work to, um, 
ask yourself whether or not you believe everything that you are currently believing. And so that would be a situation where someone has adopted a moral code as an adult by, you know, either finding a charismatic figure who does a really good job about glossing over the, the sticky parts. And so someone's just like, yeah, this is what I believe. Or a person does a little bit of research, a quick Google search, and they're like, yes, this is the truth. Um, or, you know, a person has listened to a few episodes of this, of the same podcast and they're like, I've got it all figured out. And you know, the 10% of this is pretty good. I'll take all of it. And maybe this is just belaboring the point, but we are all individuals and there is zero chance that the, you can have the exact same moral code as the next guy because you have different things have happened to you from the day that you were born. You have to do the work yourself. It's an essential part of a full life. And I mean, you, you could have almost the same moral code as your best friend. Right. If you were both being really honest about it and if you both because you have a very similar life experience. But I bet there are things that your best friend thinks are um, moral. Right. A code that that rules that they will and will not violate um, that are different than yours if you're both being honest about it. And that's okay. Um, That's pretty much it on that. I just I think I can't. I'm just trying to articulate it. Sometimes I get these thoughts in my head and when I, and when I want to, again, when I'm writing them down, I'm like, Oh no, not that. But when I'm just talking to you guys in this mic, it's hard for me to hold the thing that I just said and also think about what I'm, what I am saying. But my, my point here is, is that, uh, you should be doing the heavy lifting every day. The heavy lifting of this is what I believe. This is, this is what I will do. This is what I will not do. And if you don't decide that ahead of time, then you will just slide down the slippery slope of what I am doing. I hope that makes sense. I hope you have the happiest of New Year's. It is entirely up to you whether or not you do. So you might as well. Um, I owe you the punchline of the dad joke. And so here it is. Did you hear about the cheese factory in France that exploded? (gasps) The only thing left was debris. (laughs) Oh, if you can't delight in life's little joys, why are you even here? Thanks a bunch. I'm going to stop talking. See you next week.